0: Good evening, Patriots, and today is Tuesday, April 25th, at the end of Tuesday in the year 2023. So for those of you that tuned in to Bards FM only to discover that it wasn't Bards FM, it was a repeat of Bended Knee Today, my apologies. That was the wrong file upload I sent to Duncan tonight as I went off and did my welding class. My welding class has three more weeks. And I do it every Tuesday night with my dad, which is really nice. And I'm becoming beginner-level proficient in acetylene and gas welding. But that said, I'm going to post, um, just so you know, the posted show, which will come up after tonight, for Bards FM tonight, so the regular podcast, will actually be the rerun of Mike Adams' interview we did on April 4th which I think is a good one, and then tomorrow night's show, which is already done, um, will be focused on artificial intelligence. And we're going to be talking more about that even a little bit tonight. But it's important to really get a grasp on how insane this is and how fast it's moving. It's, It's stunning, actually. One thing we do need to keep in mind, and that is the preservation of your retirement wealth. IRAs, 401Ks, those sorts of things, they are under attack. And this evil cabal who are just a bunch of pilfering thieves, what doesn't want you to be able to save money, and especially since the dollar basically has no value, it's just a piece of paper floating out there, you should try to get that into some form of a precious metals investment or retirement account. And that, my friends, is why we have Birch Gold. Patriots, inflation has consequences. As the Fed raises interest rates to combat out-of-control government spending, long-term bonds have diminished in value, crippling banks. Depositors are holding their breath and investors are bailing on bank stocks. Diversification has never been more important. The recent surge in gold prices is directly tied to the extreme market volatility right now. This is why gold has historically been a great hedge against the stock market and against inflation. Now would be a great time to diversify into gold with Birch Gold Group. Birch Gold makes it easy to convert an IRA or 401k into an IRA in precious metals. Here's what you need to do. Text BARDS B A R D S to 989898 to get a free info kit on gold. They'll help you convert your existing IRA or 401k that's tied to a volatile market into an IRA in precious metals, gold and silver and the best part it's tax sheltered text bards b-a-r-d-s to nine eight nine eight nine eight to claim your free info kit on gold today with an a-plus rating with the better business bureau thousands of happy customers and countless five-star reviews birch gold is who you can trust to protect your future text bards to nine eight nine eight nine eight today patriots there's no time to waste we're in a critical moment in our economy Things are changing, and they are changing fast. Again, text Bards to nine eight nine eight nine eight today. Check it out, nine eight nine eight nine eight. Text Bards, and you'll get that free info kit, and it's worth doing. So, I just saw a question in uh, chat, and they were, and one of our great patriots asked me if I was using doing wire welding, and the answer is not this time. I can, and this is a class that's open. You've got. You've got um, acetylene welding, you have arc welding, you have wire welding, TIG welding, and we've got plasma available as well. I'm making the choice to focus on acetylene gas welding, and the reason is that acetylene gas does not require electricity. And I'm going to be setting myself up with an acetylene gas setup after this class so that I can continue to work to really become very proficient in all the aspects of acetylene welding, and then somewhere down the way, if um, I'm so desired, all the basics of that, of what you learn in acetylene gas are easily applied to the other methods of welding. So that's the method. I'm looking at a lot, you know, a lot of what we've talked about is getting skills underneath us. And it's important to do. Um, I'm probably in some of these areas. I'm like pretty late in my life to be learning how to weld. I welded a little bit in high school, but I didn't take it seriously. And it's like one of those things, if I had something to tell youth today, I'd be like, learn mechanical drawing, not with digital stuff. Learn it to do manually. And so that you know how to do design and layout. Learn construction with hand tools and chisels, not with little power saws. Learn welding and then learn some things about electric, electrical. And if you can, learn how to solder circuit boards. Those would be some big, smart things to do. And someone said here, shop classes. Absolutely. Shop classes all the way around. Become proficient. You know, my dad um, was very fortunate when he went to school. And I learned some of the techniques from him. He When he was in school, in high school in the 50s, early 50s, his shop teacher had been trained by a German craftsman on how to make furniture. So he was he took shop was one of his focuses and I, I still the gun cabinet in fact I have was made by my dad, which is awesome. And it's all uses like animal glue and hand rub finishes. That's where I learned that stuff from him. And it's pretty amazing. But in fact that's you know, that led me later on, as I mentioned before. It's been a long time, but I used to timber frame, which was awesome. I love doing that. It was hard work, but really good. So, anyway, just some things I suggested as we go along. Make sure you're building up skills. It's important right now. One of the I'm going to just talk about some things about homesteading tonight. I'm not going to get too deep uh, into politics. I'm kind of like we do that a lot, but I want to talk about something called regenerative farming, regenerative agriculture. Unfortunately, this has become one of these obsessive, compulsive things from the environmental freaks that think that there is so much carbon in the world, we're all going to die. If they manage things properly, it wouldn't happen, but what can I say? But here's what's basically happened in our world. As you know, there's a war on beef. There's a war on cattle. There's a war on everything protein. And a lot of this has come about because they've been easily, they've created the practices of massive mono-ranching, massive mono-cropping of everything. So here's an example. Um, in Georgia, they used to be able to grow, I think, two or 3,000 chickens on a small farm. But then Tyson Foods rolled in, the same Tyson that was in charge of the Agriculture Department under Trump, Yeah, know, that dude. And they got a bill passed in Georgia where small farmers with anything over, I think it's 1,000 chickens had to register with the state. Well, then it became difficult for them to make a good living out of it, and that was the idea. And they had to go through all, they had to meet all the standards of a heavy industrial chicken farm, right? Well, that size of chicken production is unhealthy anyway. Just like, and I'm not dinging cattle producers, but there are some practices out here for mass beef production that just aren't, they're they're not, um, all these animals in mass production, even like doing mass production in in, in dairy, the the animals and the product, they degrade over time what we really need to be getting back to is small farming, small ranching, and distributed systems so that we're not dependent on the big agriculture models. With that is also the idea of monocropping. Monocropping is so destructive because you're literally wiping out every species out there so that you can grow one crop. So everything is, and you start to look at the industrial level of agriculture and ranching, and ultimately, a lot of it ends up in the same problem. Anytime you're doing protein growing of any kind, animal raising, animal husbandry on an industrial scale, or you're doing agriculture on an industrial scale, it's not as bright a thing as it says. We do have a major environmental crisis coming at us. And it's very real. And they're not telling you about it. And my, I think my personal opinion is they're not telling you about it because they want it to fail so that they can force you into the cities and force you to eat this agriculture garbage that they're going to produce from Petri dishes and genetically modified cells that are going to grow in vertical agriculture facilities. And what is that What is that environmental crisis? It's our topsoils. We are, some, estimate, est, est, some estimates are that we are within six cycles, in other words, six years or six seasons, depending on how you look at that, before our soil in a large part of the world, and especially in our, in our country, becomes devoid, impossible to grow anything. The soil right now that we have, most of these large-scale farms, they are pretty much just containers. The soil itself is becoming increasingly dead, and the seeds are being genetically modified, Then, then they require st- certain chemicals, herbicides, and genetic products to maintain. And with that, there's this whole war on everything that comes near the product. So when they start coming out with secretions, it'll kill pests. Those are the same secretions out of the plants because the seeds have been genetically modified can kill the bees. And the herbicides that kill one thing, kill another thing. All these things, All these things go along in the food chain. So we are ending up in a very critical, this mono-agriculture model is on the tipping point of failure. We aren't talking much about it. We should be. Instead, we're talking about transgenders, which like whatever, they're worth 1% of the population. If we put them all on in one city or two and lock them up, they would be self-terminating within probably three years because they hate each other anyway. They They tell you they do. They love each other, but they don't. They hate each other. They'll kill each other. We don't have to do anything. Just throwing a couple knives over the fence until you see a walk away, and three years later, problem solved. But anyway, I digress. The, um, The issue at hand in our country right now is we are dealing with a critical issue of food, and it's not the point that they're focusing on. We do know that food production facilities are being burned down. Is spontaneously combusting, and miraculously, airplanes are spontaneously crash-landing into them. Never seen anything like it. It must be the magnetism in the food that's drawing the propeller of the plane or something. I don't know. But we're having these spontaneous and coincidental self-combusting issues of food production plants and, and dairy production facilities and et cetera. We are vulnerable on that level because we've become so consolidated in the way things are. Now, I'm just going to share with you, as God put on my heart over two years ago, and I've kind of pursued this, but it is a big deal. And it is literally that we need to create and decentralize everything. I mean, this is kind of the way that humanity will survive. We have become too accustomed to to simply getting consolidating. We go to work for the corporation, or if we build a company, we look for a corporation to buy it. And little by little, the, the smaller companies just vanish. You get the big you know, maneuvering of Walmarts that come in and wipe out the small producer, and then people all buy at Walmart because it's cheaper, but they don't think about the consequence of what happens. They're going to think about it now because so many Walmarts are closing. I checked on Portland the other day, there's two Walmarts that are closing and a third one that's already closed. And I know Portland well, and I'm telling you that is going to be a huge impact. And in fact, the two Walmarts that are closing are provide goods and services for for critical areas up there. People that don't have tons of money, they're not in the wealthy communities, which you have remaining, like in downtown Portland, you've got a Safeway and you have um, a Whole Foods and you've got this other cheeky little food shop and there's some little mini marts, but you're where they're losing across the plane of the big cities, the the suppliers that provide people with food and services and essentials in life. And even though I can be critical of Walmart, the fact of the matter is that since they replaced or pushed out the small mom-papa operations, people have become centralized and dependent on the mothership of Walmart. And that's a reality. So as you lose them, Chicago is losing four of them in critical places. Of course, the city council in Chicago is upset because Walmart found it unaffordable to keep their businesses going. And the city council members say that that doesn't, that doesn't justify anything, that they're going to take away the... <laughs> The food and the services that their people just keep trying to steal and um, take for free, but I guess that's the socialist mentality. But anyway, we are we have a, become a very vulnerable society, and with this, a lot of practices that have been going on to consolidate and become mega operations themselves become vulnerable. It's easy to talk to t- target productions of when they start doing mass industrial scale of anything the practices are all geared towards the maximizing of that crop or that product and with it you lose biodiversity which is essential to the way the earth operates so enter regenerative agriculture or regenerative ranching in a couple of different ways i'm building this model right now upon the 80 acres and That's going to be based on a a target herd size of about 40. Right now, there's about 20 to 25 on the property. And the idea is in regenerative agriculture is that you understand. And by there's other people that do this. Mark Baker, who's been on the show, he's going to come on the show soon again. Baker's Green Acres, he does this. I think it's Joe Salazar is a big one on this. I mean, this is not a new concept, but it's an important one for us to think about. And what we're doing when we do this is in the sense of like cattle, and I'm just going to focus on that. I've right now in the 80 acres, we have probably about 15 acres or so that's being used up in different ways. Some are immediately around the house, some down by the barn, some up in the tree line. So we have roughly about 65 acres to subdivide out this year as an example, we put them on the lower 22 or 24 acres. And they grazed that very, very heavily over last year. And so I've taken the cattle off of that 24 acres and I've put them up on the other roughly 40 acres. And they're up there now. Now what the plan is, and so I'm laying out the plan so you can kind of understand the model behind this. The lower 20, we'll we'll call it 25 for the sake of computing, the lower 25 acres, there is 20 of those acres that we can harvest hay off of, and we will. And I will end up reseeding that whole area using uh, just a basic chain harrow, which means I'm not going to cut through the ground. I'm just going to distribute the cow manure, uh, which I should have done already, but my chain harrow didn't arrive until just last week, and then reseed it with a rye-clover mix that's a kind of a Willamette Valley mix, and just let that settle in, and then we'll get a, a more a thicker grass and, and a healthier grass growing over time. We get a, we get plenty of rain, so I don't have to irrigate it, and we're going to be in a pretty good place to where we'll get at least one good cutting, possibly two cuttings of hay off of, off of that area this year. And the cattle will not go on that field. In fact, I may keep the cattle off of those fields for two years to completely let them regenerate. I'm still deciding on that. In the other four acres, 40 acres, I'm dividing them into 10 acre sections, approximately. And we have some road work to do, but what we're going to be doing is bringing those roads in so that you there's one road that connects all the way up to the top of the hill, and then I've got little spur roads coming off of those so that I can pull a trailer in, and then we can also drop hay and easily feed. Considering the lower field the other day, I tried to do that on my own on my Jeep and got my Jeep stuck out in the mud. So, we're not going to do that again. But all of this that I'm leading to is that part of this is rotation. So, cattle have their cattle poo and it goes on the ground. And we want to keep those cattle rotating about every week on those fields. We happen to be blessed with amazing grass that grows. And as the grass grows up, I'll want to put the cattle to where they don't graze much, which I know is typically back on the back 40. They like to be close up to the road where they can see if there's going to be a bale of hay brought to them so they can make a lot of moo sounds and run down and and eat hay, and so they get to be fairly lazy. But the idea is to divide this up and to create an area where we can rotate them about every week, and it's good for them anyway to move around in a – Larger perspective of regenerative agriculture, what would follow then behind them would be something like goats, and then you would follow them with chicken tractors, which are chickens in a movable house. That pro- that part of the model probably won't happen um, this year, and it will be partial next year, meaning next year I would probably add chickens, but not this year. And because it's on a hillside, it makes for mobile chicken houses a little more challenging, but it can be done. The other part of this is to keep, as you keep the manure spread out and you're, you're building up that natural biome in the area and the rotation in keeping the soils healthy reduces the parasitic uh, threats to your animals. And as you build up better, healthier soils, it does something else. It builds their immune system to where it's strong, and it, of course, their need for any sort of vaccine or any sort of just general health stuff diminishes. This is the approach that we're looking on because, quite frankly, we're all going to have to start thinking about life differently. And in the midst of all this insanity, like I say, what they're not telling people about is not the natural disaster that'll destroy food chains, not the man-made disasters that's going to destroy food supply, but it's in a sense of like terrorist attacks burning down. Oh, I'm sorry, it's not terrorist attacks. It's spontaneously combusting food processing plants. But the real threat is what we have done to our soils. Our stewardship of the earth is miserable, and that's all by design. These are pariah parasites that have led this operation. But unfortunately, as consumers, we've all contributed to that disaster because we haven't taken the responsibility of growing our own food seriously enough. One of the things I've been really impressed with lately and just reading comments in uh, our chat with people in Mars Nation is a number of people that have told me this last week that they've torn up more of their lawn or all of their lawn to add more garden space. We have about 70 million acres of toxic lawn in this country just sitting there getting fertilizer, some sort of petrochemical fertilizer every year or every whatever, how many times you do that. And that is – all that does is leach down to the water supply. As we start to turn our lawns into something more productive – we're starting to provide that as a means of food for the family. So one thing for those of you that want a lawn, and I understand that, you should do some research on what's called edible landscapes or edible lawns. One of those things, which I don't know how many people know this, but dandelions are very edible. They're good for salads. They're also great for your heart. Now, isn't it ironic that dandelions is what the original concept of roundup was created for, and as we go down the line of that, somewhere in that connection between Monsanto and Bayer Corporation, there is the Bayer makes heart heart attack medication. So no coincidence there at all that they would want to create the product, which by the way has glyphosate in it, and glyphosate then... When you mix glyphosate with aluminum and 5G, you get the perfect elixir to calcify your pineal gland. Just thought I'd say it. So there's a lot of things here about our health and the chemistry that's gone in that. And it's something right now that we have an extreme opportunity to start making the changes. Now, I'm setting all the conditions for this because one of the problems that we're having right now, and you're gonna, I have a I was actually pretty excited about having you here tonight's Bards FM. I did a lot of research on it. Um, you'll hear it tomorrow night. But it, it's in the title of the show. Tomorrow night is violins and sinking ships. But the point behind this is this momentum that has been generating around artificial intelligence, and it's frightening. And we're you've heard me say for about four years, and I've had people tell me that, you know, I just can't quite understand this bifurcation thing that I talk about, the, the split of humanity Because the way that, and you've heard me mention bifurcation a lot. Bifurcation in the sense of the esoteric culture or the new age culture is that there's an ascension that goes on. There's like part of humanity goes through a 3d world, which is where we are now, the sort of scarcity fear model. And the other part of humanity ascends to this 4D, 5D, greater awakening consciousness world where there's everything is possible, positive, loving, etc. I don't have any doubt that there's different levels of consciousness within us. That's not even a question. And I definitely, when I look over at uh, the transgender movement, I can prove that there's different levels of consciousness. It just happens that their level of consciousness treads on retardation. I just. I just didn't expect to see the negative before I saw the positive, but here we are. This is our world. So the reason I bring this up is that we are now at a point that if you open your eyes, you will see that we have arrived at bifurcation. And this is really where it's defining itself, not where I would have anticipated, but it's here. And it's going to be those that are walking with technology and those that reject technology. You've heard me mention, and I'm just—it's just a quick pitch anyway. But um, this treadlight broadfork, okay, great company, great family business. But and you can find that link below every podcast. Great, great product. But my bigger point of that is, it is a way to do the tilling and tining of your beds efficiently with a tool that is human powered, not electric powered or gasoline powered. We need to really be thinking in terms of that. The other day I bought size. If you're familiar with those old school, big blades, I bought them from a company that is up in Maine and the size I see as a potential necessity in the not too distant future, though I have never used one. I at least have one now, um, to be able to cut, literally cut the grass that we need to feed the cows. All of these things are going through my mind. And I'm and my, mo- my reason for saying this is that we are hitting a point where we're going to have to make a decision. And that decision is going to be either walk into the world that is consumed with AI and advanced technologies and all the lures that that brings. And they're going to offer many things. It's going to be dazzling. According to Trump, In these new 10 freedom cities, you're going to have air taxis. You're going to have all sorts of digital advancements. You're going to have Internet of Things, artificial intelligence, quantum computing, all of these things in these cities. All that translates to me is transhumanism, prison. That's what I hear when I hear this stuff. Freedom, on the other hand, is going to have to be a place where we make a decision of how we're going to walk. And that means rejecting probably all technology. Welcome, Amish world. But um, it's not something that we can do quickly, but it is something that I would suggest that if you haven't started working through those processes, that you start and start thinking that way. This is a very interesting time in humanity. It is literally an exodus on one level, an exodus 2.0, where we have... And it's driven differently because it's driven between technology and no technology. And as crazy, as, if you think this is a little extreme, think it through because it really isn't. Everything that we are touching in the digital world is being consumed, tracked, monitored, and incorporated into, over the next years, into an artificial intelligence matrix. And that is coming very quickly. In fact, tonight, I was surprised to hear, and I I came across this tonight, of the rise of artificial intelligence in some new areas. So I I do have a piece here I want to play for you. Um, It's rather stunning. Just take a listen to this, and here we go.
1: This is the first, but there will be many more. This is an AI-generated political act. It's an anti-Biden ad by the Republican National Committee. And it's important because it marks the first major political ad using AI-generated imagery. See, AI has disrupted just about every industry, and now it's coming for politics. And we've thought uh, elections in the past have been crazy. Well, the 2024 US presidential election, now that AI is 98% of the way there to being completely indistinguishable from reality, brace yourselves, because the political debates and the social media comments They're going to be next level. And who knows, with AI voice cloning the way that it's going, your favorite presidential candidate may just be giving you a lot of personal phone calls. Let me know what you think in the comments and follow me.
0: Yeah, so whatever. Not not playing the game. And this is exactly my point, is that we have arrived at a point now when it's not AI, it's humans using AI. And every time humans use AI, we're empowering the AI and disempowering ourselves. I would say to you in without sounding frantic or in any way trying to ensue panic, but the fact of the matter is that the farther we go down this rabbit hole with AI, the less humans are going to be interacting in the world. The obsession for people to want to feed the beast that will replace them stuns me and the the naivety on one level and general stupidity on the other, because some smart people are doing this. It's all about trying to show off these new tools, trying to save time. And it's going to leave us, leave that mass of people in a different world. And it's something that every one of us has to think about because the world in which they want us to be pushed into. You will not get a choice. And right now, though, the people on the cutting edge of that will be the programmers that program AI and the people that teach AIs and the people that build businesses with artificial intelligence at its core. All of those ultimately are setting the condition for a centralizing of artificial intelligence that has been built by the hands of humans that will replace humans. And then those that built it will have no place and have no skills to live in the real world. There's your line of bifurcation right there. And it's the line where those that choose to walk away from that and walk in towards a kingdom space, push into God, live a simpler life using Jeremiah 6.16, going back to go forward, that pathway will be massively rewarding, equally difficult, but it'll be massively rewarding. I can't tell you what it's going to look like exactly, other than the fact that it begins with us growing our own food, preserving our own food, and learning everything we can and skills and that we can in, in building these knowledge libraries, like I've talked about in paper, that at the point when we there is a true break, we have what we need. Imagine it like this, and I'm just using this as a simple metaphor that we have, we arrive at a point where literally we have to make a decision to separate ourselves from the others. That's the moment of the Passover. That's the moment of the kneading bowls, and that's the moment of taking all the silver to go your way. It's coming that way very quickly. And if you're paying attention, you're realizing that. There isn't any way of getting along here, and it's not because people aren't listening to faith, or they're because they're telling us they hate. Well, they do anyway. They tell us they hate us because we believe in God, whatever. But the fact is that what's the real demarc- the line of demarcation is: Are you using artificial intelligence and all the technology that goes with that? to build your life in which in itself, artificial intelligence is little more than a portal through the demonic world. And there's your, there's your splitting. So it really comes down to whom do you serve? And the fact is that technology is not, the technology we have today is not of God. It's not there. And that forces us into a decision point. And everybody's going to get here. And there's not going to be much room. I think people will try to convince themselves because this is natural. that well, it's not going to be that bad. Ah, it's not going to be that extreme. I argue that, yes, it will be that bad, and yes, it will be that extreme. But it won't hit everybody until it's too late. And then those that didn't think it was going to be that bad and thought they could put one foot in one side and one foot in the other are going to discover that they can't. And then now that other side, that side of freedom that they wanted is gone and they're locked into this new prison matrix system. We have to start thinking through these things in a framework, in my opinion, of exodus and what it took for them to be able to separate and to leave and to sustain. We have to think in terms of the bifurcation of two peoples living that are incompatible with one another belief systems that are completely askew. And if you if you question any of that, and I'm not saying you do or don't, but I'm saying if you do have doubts about this, take some time and re- find artificial intelligence sites. Go to gaming competition sites. Listen to what, how, what people value, what they see, how they see the world, the excitement that they have for the metaverse, the excitement that they have for... Living in alternate realities, be able be able to have augmented reality around them all the time. These that is a world I cannot relate to, touch, agree with. It it violates everything spiritually that I stand for. That, that includes even using Chat GPT. I I was sent some stuff today on Chat GPT just to look at, and I I had to politely say I couldn't look at it. And the question was why? And I, well, I explained why. And it was the the reason is, is that I just see this whole thing as demonic and I won't even go near it. And that's the trap too, because it's very much like a digital heroin. Once people start to use it, they're going to start to rely on it and they're looking for things and they're pushing the windows of it and I'm telling you, this is not something you play with. This is literally like a digital Ouija board. And I would be, anybody that's using it, I would caution you with extreme caution to stay away from it completely. But that is, you know, I don't, I, that's your call, your walk, whatever. But I'm, it is the trap, it is the Pied Piper for the modern humanity, Literally. And in my opinion, we're going to lose a lot of people to it. My walk, which I'm clear on, is going to be an increasing walk away from technologies. There's coming a point in probably the next 18 months that we're going to have to biometrically scan in just to get to the internet. Now, I don't know if there's going to be an alternate internet, but I'm telling you the internet we're going to have to be, that we're accustomed to, is going to require some sort of biometric interface. At that point in time, I'm done. I mean, when I say that, like the internet is done for me, I'm done. Doesn't mean I'm done doing what I'm doing. I'll just find a different way to do it. But as far as the internet, I'm done. And that's another motivation for you to build knowledge libraries and try to get things in place so that I can rely on myself, my skills, the wisdom that God provides and not be dependent on the systems that they have. That timeline is probably about 18 months is my guess. And these are just real matters of the in the time in which we live, and something that, again, I encourage you to pray on. I encourage you to research, and encourage you to observe and see. And you'll have to each will have to settle for themselves when it comes to money and bills and payments. I can't answer that for you right now. I've no, I've told you that I'm working on a a concept that we can where. Gold and silver and cash have to be accepted as payment processes for critical services and food and shelter. Those have to be allowed. I think that that's a reasonable position that we could make, though they are going to do everything they can to counter that because they don't want you to have the option because they want to control your money. So that may mean having to look at things differently. Are we going to have to start building small islands or communes of people And are we gonna have to start bringing people together in certain land sections and building up new communities? Maybe so. And that's something I think we all have to start thinking towards of what does that look like? And when I say that, it's not just thinking, it's praying into it as well. These are important concepts that we need to start working with and really understanding that a lot of things are going to change here very, very rapidly. Faster than we were prepared for, but it's exactly as they want it to be because they don't anticipate that we can respond. One thing that's to the credit of everybody here is we've been talking about county by county now for about three and a half years, three, three and a half years, talking about the importance of growing food, getting homeschooling going, getting, and that was before the craziness of COVID, getting uh, home churches going. Doing right work to take responsibility for your job, your employment, having gifts, using your gifts and talents and skills you develop to build a business so that you're doing something for yourself. And I wouldn't put building businesses based on chat GPT as part of that, but that's your gig. I wouldn't touch it. Health and wellness to take care of your health based on what we can grow and what we can do. And then we have stewardship and conservation and informed action. So those, those things put together make a pretty powerful model, and we should all be trying to strive for new talents as we go forward and looking at and keeping in mind, too, of where those red lines are, the places that we won't cross. And technology is a big one to assess that on. For me, that red line is artificial intelligence. I won't do it. And if I find out that something I'm using is becoming artificial intelligence-based, then I'll replace it or get rid of it altogether. So that's my walk in this. And it's an important time to reflect on a lot of this because so much of what this is going to do is affect our relationship with God and the way that we're centered in this world in faith. For some, they don't see any threat. They just see this as another transition of humanity, which is more technology. It's much greater than that. Because the people that are driving the motives behind artificial intelligence are striving to create singularity. That means consciousness. That means awareness of self. And according to which you will hear tomorrow night, according to one expert, that in the internet, and listen to this, on the internet, the internet itself will become self-aware by 2025. We've never thought about that, but that's literally where I think we're heading. All of this is important for us in our relationship, in our walk, and living simply so others can simply live is going to become probably a predominant model. And the more that we can position ourselves to be leaders in this space, knowing that there won't be that many that'll be fully functional and self-reliant. The Amish model is an interesting and very good one to study, though it's not going to be easy to incorporate that if you didn't grow up doing it, but we're going to have to figure it out in our own way. And there's going to be a transitionary period, which we're going to have to endure rightfully to get through that so that we can get back to a simpler way of living that doesn't leave us vulnerable to the technologies, advances and technology controls that are being rolled out in mass. That's my thoughts for tonight. Thoughts just to get to a place of stewardship of the land again, taking care of the creatures that God gave us to be good stewards and to conserve, to spend less, buy more deliberately when we need to, making sure that the things we have are are lasting and not throw away. Trying to break away from the complexities of technologies or at least technologies that we ourselves can't maintain. And getting back to a way of life that'll put us more in touch with who we are as God's children, the children of the Most High, rather than chasing our tail with all this nonsense of news and dramas that we don't need nor really care about. I mean, if you think about it, the most important story... In the last 24 hours, has been Tucker Carlson. And the irony of all of that is Tucker's just a dude and he's a journalist of all things. What wasn't the important story at all was the rise or even just any sort of discussion about God. That's where we have to center all things. And when we get back to that, everything else resets, and it resets very quickly. And it resets in a way that is appropriate. It doesn't need technology to do it. Patriots, let's pray. Father God, we're blessed this evening as we've come together to kind of share thoughts and reflect deeply on the sort of places that we've been and the places that we're going. Father, we all are in different stages of a positioning of ourselves for this change that's coming. So tonight's prayer is is really a prayer for awakening and resources. These are hard times with all that needs to be done. And when we don't grow up with this, we're having to balance this place of technologies that we do rely on with techniques that and methods and other tools that we may have to acquire to get to the place we want to be. So, Father, the wisdom with that is the plan, the direction, the path, the way forward for us, each of us unique. And we pray for that wisdom that will settle on each people, each person's heart to be clear of where we need to go and how we will get to where we need to be. Secondly, Father, it's just a prayer for resources, to have the resources of abundance of, of what we need within the reason of how you see, as you see fit to share, to pass on what we need. Some will need more resources than others. But the important point is that as a community, we're thinking in terms of the body of Christ, what we each individually need, and therefore, as that picture weaves together, the perfection of a community living under you. Father, this way ahead as well is going to be a rocky road at times. And so the final part of this prayer tonight is the strength. The courage and the strength in the heart that's going to be required, the determination to continue to push, And the ability to overcome the doubts and the fears and those sorts of things that can easily manifest and swell up, thanks to the father of lies and his demonic little beasts that like to run around and try to create that fear within us, let us be fearless, let us be strong, let us be courageous, and let us walk this path with you as the mighty father that you are, and us as the sons and daughters of the Most High. Guide us and protect us. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. So it is a time to share as much as we can. One of the things I mentioned, and um, it'll happen at Bardsfest, and that is to, we'll, we'll set aside some time for people to talk and share ideas and try to record that. Because a lot of this brainstorming that needs to be done is done well. In groups. Now, the other thing I'll just throw out as a footnote, as a final thought tonight, don't hesitate to, and I say this, every one of us has concerns, and every one of us has things we're thinking of and trying to pull together. I would encourage you all, whatever you're drawn to, to pull together small groups, and you can use Zoom. You can use the technologies that we have right now. There's no reason not to. You can use a conference call. And you can, if you're local, you can sit down and have coffee or tea. But I would encourage you to start using the technology tools that we have while we have access to them. To start getting together in whatever group you want. Calling groups together to share ideas. Take notes on it. Paper notes, not just digital notes. And start amassing some thoughts on critical things that will that are necessary towards moving away from a technology-based culture. I've done these exercises myself extensively over time. I'm not holding back on that in any way, and more of that will come out. But there was a time in my life that I went so far as to design out an entire way of life that was 100% self-sustainable, including every material built on the house. And it's interesting when, when you go through an exercise like that, what you end up with. I ended up with a home that was... In this design, I didn't build it, but my design was a home that was dug deep into the ground. that had an ability for rainwater to fall through the center of the house. And each of the rooms had a pretty significant overhang. That rainwater was then collected. There was no glass on the windows because you didn't need it, but the sunlight came through the center. Anyway, there's a lot of different things like that. How to overcome everything from electricity to manufactured goods creating a sustainable life, and you can do it in a really cool way. And these exercises are super helpful in getting our minds to start thinking differently outside the box without limits and innovating and letting God step in to inspire us to solve problems as we do so well, to overcome what seems to be impossible things to realize that We are truly overcomers and we can innovate way past what we see. And the more that we pull the collective thought together to do this, the more amazing some of the solutions are. So I throw that out there for something to start thinking about. I think it's important. Do it with your friends, your family. Do it within Bard's Nation and start taking paper notes on this because there's a time in the near future that we're going to need all that, I believe. Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow for Bardzif or for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now.
1: Oh, I want to feel something I just want to breathe again Dive into the deepest dead Oh, I want to feel something Let me get back in my